Hi, and welcome to Brain Radio FM. This is your host, Sophia, and today I'm joined with a very special guest, my friend Dana. To contextualize a little bit who she is in my life, she offers a new perspective on the world through understanding our psyche and our emotions and some aspects of spirituality that I find really interesting, regardless of whether I completely agree with them or not. Mm-hmm. And um, I really appreciate her perspectives, and I appreciate you, Dana, for being my first guest <laughs> this is very oh, nerve-wracking no, I um i really wanted to to have this conversation and i think that you're the the right person to have it with we've lived through a, some similar experiences yeah. which i think helped us uh really understand each other on a deeper level mm-hmm. and i think that was really a huge catalyst to us yeah. forging this friendship and specifically i would say that other than the perspectives that we're other we're able to provide for each other on certain situations, emotional conflicts, et cetera, et cetera, we're able to also create this platform of relatability where no matter how crazy or insane something has happened or an event that completely just like threw us off, we're able to break it down so that you're able to make them easier to take apart and Mm -hmm. work through and assess. And I feel like that's the main essence of what we're going to be talking about today. I mean, I think there's almost no better place to start than talking, unfortunately, about COVID and how these last couple of years have been incredibly difficult for, I would say, everyone in some way or another. And speaking for myself, and you can tell me whether you agree or not, I think being forced to sit alone in your house makes you face your unresolved issues and really have to confront them head on in a way that mm-hmm. was not necessarily the case before when you could distract yourself by going out and staying busy. Yeah. Suddenly that's just not possible anymore. Yeah, I totally agree. I completely agree. And I also think that other than being forced to confront your own thoughts, the time that we have, the, like the insane amount of time we have on our hands has let a lot of compartmentalized shit come to the surface because it's finally been given the room to express itself in our day-to-day lives. So I would say that specifically the emotions that have been running around our generation, specifically around the past two years, it's been two years now, Mm -hmm. but I would say that the amount of time we spent on assessing our emotions has allowed us to gain a better and deeper understanding of where they're coming from and kind of like reaching the root of the issue in a way I, I think that it's evoked so many emotions and, the, and like extenuating circumstances that we're all living in today are very transformative. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, it brought to the surface a lot of things that I thought before were, were kind of mm-hmm. dealt with and, and, and put behind me, uh, kind of being forced to realize that there's actually a lot of unresolved uh, pain or trauma that... You kind of just like put it in a box and shove it away Absolutely. and you keep on moving and like you say this like, oh, I've done all the work and I've worked on myself so much and I've rectified my situations and I'm in a better place. Sure, you could be in an amazing place right now, but that does not necessarily mean you've worked through the necessary mm. processes of grief, of um, just expulsion of emotions yeah. from your system. I think so. there's always space for, for reflection. Mm-hmm. regardless of what step you are in the in, in getting over an issue and yeah I, I think you're you're absolutely correct going back to the whole everything that we've gone through in the past two years I do feel like there has been an extreme shift of consciousness the generations before us especially in our age range we're going through such a transformative phase in our lives the generations before us were 
kind of living in a bubble of oblivion, thinking that everything is happy dandy butterflies, mm. not even explain, expecting an inkling of what is, is happening right now. Mm. Like this completely threw the world off, yeah. like beyond our imagination. So I would say that the shift of consciousness is coming into appreciating the stability that we are able to provide for ourselves and self-sufficiency in a non-selfish way. Yeah, I think our, our generation and the ones that will follow us are probably some of the most self-reflective generations ever, partially because that's how we're learning to grow up, to be more sensitive to ourselves and to others rather than other ways of, of dealing with emotion, I guess. But I think you're completely right that, that COVID accelerated the the way that we had to confront our own issues and societal issues and the dynamics that exist in our lives and whatnot. And I would say that this effect even precedes our generation. Like, it's not exclusive to ours. No, absolutely. I would say what we have learned as young adults is actually projecting into older generations. And it makes me really happy to see because, for example, my family or like my parents have always prided themselves in being able to push through hard situations and just moving on with life. Life goes on, all that. But actually being able to take a beat and like just really think about it and even if they decide not to work on it, at least they actually thought about the conscious decision about how they want to handle it. And that in itself, I think, is a great accomplishment. Yeah, I think we're like from a really young age where we taught to learn from older generations. And I think that's absolutely true. You can learn for the good or for the bad. But I feel like we don't really look at or discuss or realize the kind of two way street mm -hmm. that we have gone through unique things and unique circumstances and are the, the, literally the future that the older generation can can learn from as well to, to help because whatever issues they are, and if we're speaking specifically emotionally, no matter how much work that we, our generation does to fix the like, intergenerational trauma or the dynamics that you might have with your family or whatnot, that really can't be properly, properly fixed if the people that you're engaging with aren't doing it as well. Exactly. And I think we've kind of been pushing for for our parents to, yeah. I can speaking for myself, pushing our parents to to be more sensitive to that and to, to approach things help. for a new way. Yeah. And it's really difficult because they've grown up a certain way. You know, yeah. you can't. I think trying is, can be surprising. Yeah. And like I said, I think it's, it's a huge step. Like, even though we might see it as something that, oh, you tried, but you still didn't do it. I still think that the fact that they're actually open to this Yeah, because it presupposes concept. some self-awareness in yeah. a way that they didn't have before. And you also said something really important. They've grown up to think that these issues do not impact them in the long run or impact even their children or the people around them. And generational trauma is such a huge thing in our, in our generation, I think. Or maybe it's just a I common think it's trend. always been, but I think maybe yeah. we're, we're some of the... F not the first, you're completely but right. we're... we're there's a huge shift in our, our awareness of it. Yeah. But it's always been there. From Completely. the beginning of time, I think we've been fucking up our yeah. kids and those kids fuck up their kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I completely agree. And I think it's also like the way that people have been dealing with their issues has completely changed over time. And acknowledging it and realizing how we went on from compartmentalizing and brushing things off and pretending to not have an issue with something has come to a point where even the most minuscule of things, not belittling anything, but like something really small in the greater scheme of things can also be considered as 
trauma as a horrible thing that happened mm -hmm. to you and you are entitled to feel however you feel about it. Yeah. And there is this huge stigma that's been going around about healthy and unhealthy coping mechanisms. Who gets to determine what is healthy and what is not? Well, I don't think it's a, a determined by you or me or by a certain person, but I mm -hmm. think it, it really depends on the person that you're talking about and the effects that then ripple from that decision into their lives and the relationships and all of that. Because yeah. I think we can say that we're really moving towards healthy coping mechanisms and really making a change, but at least speaking for myself and the people that I know, mm -hmm. we still have a shit ton of unhealthy coping mechanisms, whether we know it or not. Mm -hmm. And as much as we would like to be so smart and self-aware and, uh, you know, emotionally in tune with ourselves, I think there's still such a long way to go. And speaking for people like us, mm -hmm. we're still very young. Mm -hmm. We're like at the beginning of that whole fucking journey. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And I agree that being aware of it is the first step, mm -hmm. but there's so much shit that I do that's just, I, I know that it's the wrong way to deal with things, but it's the only mm -hmm. way I know how. Which means that there's probably a billion other things that I do that are really fucking unhealthy. I'm not even aware of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's like also the, the essence of being able to identify what's good for you is a preventative measure of potential trauma in the future affecting you the way it has in the past. Mm -hmm. Learning from your mistakes. And the way it sounds so superficial when I say like learning from your mistakes, but at the end of the day, we all go through certain experiences that might stick with us and might not but those that do stick with us kind of project themselves in other experiences and yeah. in the other interactions with other people like during this past time i felt like a lot of unresolved trauma that i've had has been expressing itself in a different way so for example i know that the root and the origin of my problem is family trauma but it's expressing itself in my friendships my romantic relationships my relationship and how i perceive myself mm. and I do think that I like flat out, honestly, do not know how to deal with that. But at the end of the day, I have to find a way to not let it affect yeah. the people around me because I'm down to harm myself, but I'm not down to harm the people around me, hmm. which is also not the best thing. But if it comes to minimizing the cost benefit analysis, I would rather I be the cost. Sure, but the, the, I, obviously yeah. that's not the the like ideal or the 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 goal of it. Mm -hmm. And I know that you know that, and you don't yeah. see it that way. But yeah, I, 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 you know, we have you know that we have the same. <laughs> we have very similar <laughs> issues. Yeah, like my like as much as I've to some extent gone over some of my like uh, family issues, all of that, I still see it creep back up on me mm -hmm. in my friendships and in my my romantic relationships and you know kind of everywhere yeah and it's really frustrating to be so aware of it mm. and be able to like pinpoint where it started everywhere how it like manifested in your life and where it is now and still like you said not know how the fuck to really address it but how frustrating is that like it's so fucking frustrating mm -hmm. knowing that you know why there's a problem and you know that there is a solution but how to get from this to that. Yeah. I know that this is like a tendency of mine where I tried to like intellectualize my own like emotions and my processes and like that in, its, in and of itself is a coping mechanism to just yeah. like intellectualize the shit out of everything no, that I feel. But I do agree because I do the same. That's what's so fucking frustrating about it is that you even technically know how to get there, but implementing it is such a different beast altogether. 
and part of me thinks that I'm smart and strong enough to just do it. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes down to it, I am repeating the same patterns that I am trying to avoid. Yes. Another thing like so similar to that is other than intellectualizing your emotions, I would say my main and go-to coping mechanism would be fake it till you make it. That is, I know how bad this sounds, but from the ages of 18 to 20, not even, even before that, 17 to 19, let's say, I genuinely became and transformed myself into this whole other person that processes emotions and perceives other people's actions in a completely different way. In the sense that I convinced myself that I don't care. I don't give a fuck. That's fine. They can they can go to hell. I don't care. I, I that, that doesn't bother me. Yeah. But now this is all crumbling. Yeah. And I realized I get these moments in my head where I'm like, did I actually convince myself? And now I'm starting to react to things the same way I used to when I was 17. And that's fucking scary to me because yeah. I spent all this time trying to quote unquote work on myself. But did I did I even do any of the fucking work? Well, I think that sometimes like the awareness that a coping mechanism isn't healthy can only come once it starts to fall apart like what you said like now you feel yourself in a sense like quote unquote regress i don't i i can't like no other word comes to mind about this but it's accurate but like regress to back how you were but i don't think that means that you made no progress i think that you you learned a really important thing that that coping mechanism of fake it till you make it maybe works you know in small aspects like if you're going in for a job interview like a and you need to be super confident in the moment just to, yeah. to get that like that feeling and, yeah. and to, you know to get started but you realize it's not sustainable and that's a huge lesson to learn because people will go their entire lives with fucking bullshit coping mechanisms that either they have no idea or they know or everyone around them knows and they're just not willing to confront yeah. they will go their entire lives continuing that cycle until the day that they die and they don't get to address the things that they that they need to to truly be you know at peace and to be happy but is that really the worst way to live isn't ignorance bliss babe it is but if you want the best for yourself i really believe that you can always hit like a new level in a sense of enlightenment yeah like i talked uh to you personally extensively about Mm. the you know um, emotional transformation i went through um this year where suddenly things just started clicking in my head things that i had um, always struggled with just made sense Mm -hmm. and to me that was like a huge jump from where i was to where i am now yeah and and although part of that process was really painful and really really difficult and made me have difficult conversations with people around me i'm better off so i know that in a sense ignorance is bliss but i look like I think I'm smarter than that. That's oh, what course. I keep saying, you know? Oh my God, yeah. I know no, that I'm agree. smarter than to just sit in my ignorance because I, some part of me will know at some point, even if it's not in the moment, that I am purposely living in that ignorance and that I'm choosing to turn a blind eye to things. And both of us are too fucking smart to really live in that long term. <laughs> sure. Because you, you start to inwardly crumble. Yeah, you know? this is exactly what's happening right now. Like, personally, I'm... This year has been very, very transformative for me because not that I've gone through something monumental, not that I've gone through experiences that have shaped the way that I am today and blah, blah, blah. But I have just been on this journey of extreme Mm self-awareness to the point where I've kind of 
tipped over the edge of the perfect point of self-awareness and it's kind of becoming a bit self-destructive. So I would say that self-awareness is extremely necessary for healing and for progression and development and all that. But I do think we should be very wary to the boundaries and extents of self-awareness because it can also be harmful. Arguably, well, I kind of disagree with what you said because mm-hmm. I don't think you went past the tipping point of perfect self-awareness. Mm-hmm. I think you're less self speaking for myself as well. I think you're way less self-aware than you think and that you also try and fucking intellectualize your shit because you know you're smart and and you know that you can figure shit out and connect dots and understand how you feel very, very easily in ways that other people can't. Yeah. But I don't think that it's that you went too far with it, that it's destructive. I think that there are still things that you need to figure out as for myself that are, that are the actual issues. That's... Yes. I. Yes, just yes. to call you out on that because <laughs> okay, because that's, I really believe that because we're we're only twenty. Well, I'm twenty one. Yeah, but <laughs> but we're on we're in our early twenties. How can we possibly think? And I don't really think that you yeah. think that, which is why I don't mind calling you out on it. Really, like, <laughs> but we've got such a journey to go through that you're gonna look back in five, ten, twenty, thirty years okay. and be like, I was super smart, but like I'm an idiot. Yeah, I'm like, an idiot. So yes. it's up to us to figure out the healthy and unhealthy coping mechanisms that work for the two of us. Yes, because we are so self-aware. No. <laughs> we, we just want to like yeah, keep but... tapping each other on the back, like, well, we're so smart no, and but, so but, self-aware. But I do like we've like we've seen how much we've both progressed this year, and this is in such a short span of time. God knows what we can do in ten years, yeah. in twenty years, whatever. I have a question then. Ask. What has been one? <laughs> Like long, if you don't mind sharing, of course, course. one long-standing unhealthy coping mechanism that you've identified at least. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've been able to like tackle it or Mm -hmm. move past it, but at least something that you identified. I would say it's gonna sound really dumb, but there are two. It's a combination of two: sleeping and isolation. I find that distancing myself completely, like completely forcing myself to shut off from the world beyond me allows me to kind of forget Hmm. and in a way that's not forgetting it is compartmentalizing absolutely but it helps me shove it in the back of my head to pretend like it never happened and sleep helps me feel like bad things that happened are like a dream yeah Uh, so the combination of both kind of like erases this from my memory yeah and I do think this has been the common theme over the past 10 years specifically I and the way I only recognize this recently I thought I was just sleeping because I'm I'm a person who loves sleep, but it turns out I'm not. And I I realized it because when I'm more like the past few months, I've been more awake than asleep for sure. And it's made me realize, and I've been more interacting socially. Sorry, I'm Mm. going back and forth, but I've been very, very much more open socially and open to new experiences so much more that the stuff that I completely forgot existed or happened to me is starting to come back to me and my memory is kind of getting this like refresh mm. you know so it's like i don't know it's 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 weird what about you what's yours um there's a lot but one that has been pointed out to me has been my tendency to i don't know why you're laughing this isn't, this isn't funny um <laughs> Uh, one that's been pointed out to me has been my tendency to turn to anger 
when I'm just too tired of being sad. Mm-hmm. Like I'll go through like the seven stages of grief or whatever, like yeah. at really like weird like speeds. So I can I'm a very sensitive and like emotional mm-hmm. person, I would say. And so that's to to take I'm not gonna give an example actually, but yeah. in, a situa- <laughs> in a situation where I was really, really sad. I like went through the whole emotional like crying and listening to mm-hmm. sad music and then suddenly something clicked and I just was like fucking pissed. And as like, an, as an objective to... as an objective observer of these emotions, <laughs> I would say like the sadness, like the gut, the fucking gut-wrenching sadness mm. lasted way less than the anger. Oh yeah. Anger is much easier for me to process because I don't have to actually acknowledge the fact that I'm hurt. Mm-hmm. And I can just be like, fuck this person or fuck this situation and really lean into that. And yeah, I think you're right about the situation that I know that we're both thinking about. Yeah. The anger lasted much longer than the sadness. And I was still like sad inside. Like I would still come home and like feel like shit, but yeah. I would not let myself tap into that as much. I think it's kind of reframing your emotions. Like the way you handle it is instead of feeling the sadness, which implicates you like oh my god they did this to me i'm the victim blah Mm. blah blah you would rather project it outwardly onto Onto your perception (laughs) yeah but onto your perception of that the person who like impacted you in whatever way i can make i can easily make judgments on them as a person yeah villainizing and like calling them out on their mistakes like you did this yeah I had no part in this, blah, blah, blah. And then I I think I try and sound rational to some extent of being like, well, to be fair, blah, blah, blah. But I will fully Mm -hmm. go, I'm totally righteous. I will still fully go. And I try and like sound balanced, like, well, to be fair, you know what? They can do whatever they want or blah, 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 blah. But like, I'm not really, I'm not really giving them a defense. I'm just trying to make myself sound less biased and pissed, I think. And I know that I do that and I try not to do that as much, Mm -hmm. but it's really hard. It's really hard. And then once I get over it, then I feel like I'm actually balanced and I find peace and like forgiveness and really seeing the other side and and fully just like that anger will just dissolve into yeah. nothingness. And that can happen from one second to the dissipate. next. It's also something dissipate. Indeed. <laughs> dissipate into like, nothingness. It really does. Like, But like this ties in like really importantly with the notion of healing. Yeah. So the way that I like let's I don't know if you remember like every time something would happen we'd feel some type of way about it and we have sit down and we have those talks yeah I would always tell you let your emotions run through your body until they're completely out and let yourself feel the emotions to their full extent so that nothing is left and once it's done it's done yeah and this is genuinely the complete concept of healing for me the way that we go through the emotions, like like you said, like the seven stages of grief. The way that we go through these emotions and the phases of our emotions like that kind of help us break them down because we feel like this extreme rush of overwhelming emotions that come yeah. at us all at once and we can't distinguish the differences. Yeah. So the, 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 the degrees of the degrees of healing and like just release take you through them one by one. Mm. And that's I think how that's, you know. That's, that I think is why anger is is like kind of what I, I tend to like lean towards in, mm-hmm. in really emotional situations is because it's a place of safety mm-hmm. where I don't have to reflect so much on how I feel. And like you said, externally project. Yeah. And it's less internal. Yeah. Because I, I have the issue. I, I barely get angry. I barely, barely get angry, but I dwell in the sadness. Yeah. And I internalize my thought process. Like, what did I do wrong? Mm. Not what did they do? And I think both are wrong because 
no situation is solely one person's fault. Yeah. There are always external factors. You could be part of it. They could be part of it. It's so subjective. Yeah. But I would say that ang- like just how anger is a safe space for you, sadness and self-destruction is such a safe space for me. And because isolation I'm so as well. I think. And because we're both so used to this type of emotion, it's kind of like, okay, I feel this now. I know how to deal with it because yeah. I've been through it a million and one times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like just going back to healing, I think that there is no way to tell if you have been healed from a situation. And that is a really frustrating thing because going back to what I said before, like when I say I've done all the work, blah, 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 I don't know if I actually believe that. Well, for me, I, I, I mean, I don't know if I can really truly say that I can know when I've fully healed from a situation, but I can look back and see when I thought I was healed and then compare it to where I am now and realize I'm in a much better place. Mm-hmm. Like in the past where I was like, yeah, I'm over this situation, but it would, a situation similar to it or the thought of it or a, whatever would be super triggering, for example. Mm-hmm. And now I come to a place where I can think about it or talk about it and it doesn't hurt me anymore. Yeah, the triggers no longer like, trigger you. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, now I, I kind of want to pivot towards how our issues might affect the dynamics that we have in our relationships because... I think that you learn to seek some qualities over others because you you understand their importance in your life. Like if you've if you've always been deprived of attention, let's mm-hmm. say from your parents, yeah. then that'll manifest itself in your relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Because because you you understand the value of attention, but then maybe sometimes you overcompensate and you place so much on True. attention on that one factor <laughs> yeah. as something that you look for over other qualities that should be red flags or should disqualify someone from being in your life that's so that's so true that last sentence just summed this whole thing up for me (laughs) genuinely though this last sentence made me feel like okay i am overcompensating (laughs) i am overcompensating for what i lack in my relationships and how do we handle it like how how do we stop i mean i'll give you my 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 bad my two cents on this i think obviously awareness is like the first step which is so cliche to say like <laughs> now once you know at least you've got the radar like sending out little bleeps out into the universe looking mm-hmm. out for those like new warning signs that you should be aware of and sometimes you'll see them and you'll turn a blind eye yeah or sometimes you won't catch them at all or sometimes you will catch them and then like act yeah. accordingly but once you're aware and then you have that processing in your brain of like am I really going to be a slave to this insecurity that comes from my parents or my childhood or whatnot like no I can take care of myself and I can create my own habits and they can be healthy habits like that's true truly what do you want for in a partner you know yeah more than oh I want like someone who's like very like affectionate like sure that's important but there are bigger things beyond that and those should take priority over the like uh initial desires that you are triggered long term versus short term to come towards yeah it's more of the short-term fix is getting that attention and affection and like oh my god rush of emotions and the long term is what will benefit me yeah yeah that's so true so true i completely agree and another pattern that i've realized like just moving on from that, the pattern that I've realized that I do is that when I sense that someone is kind of pulling away, I give in excess 
in hopes that they will use that fuel to come back Same. to me. <laughs> to some extent, I think that makes a lot of sense yeah. because you a lot of people like will express love the same way that they want it like we can talk about the five love love languages one of mine that i both give and want to receive is physical touch like in my romantic relationships especially with Mm -hmm. my friends i'm not like that touchy of a person i know you can i know you can like you are when you wanna you are when you wanna i pick my moments but with my romantic partners i'm very like physically affectionate just not like sexual but Little, like, yeah. little, literally just any type of physical touch is so important to me. And I give that to my partners. Mm-hmm. But I do that re- kind of regardless of whether they've expressed that they really, really like it. Yeah. Like, if they tell me that they don't like it, then I wouldn't do it. It's just how you but express I just, your I, love. I do it because that's how I want them to do it to me. Like, yeah. I love, like, someone just touch my hair. Reciprocity. Or, or just touch my hand for a second when we're sitting down. Like, those things I, like, mm-hmm. live for. You know, you know I, I, mean? I, I couldn't agree more. I'm definitely on the same exact page, except I am both for my friends and my romantic relationships. Um, <laughs> I do think that, like, just the patterns thing, or, like, just continuing on patterns and still acknowledging them and still blind taking, like, giving that a blind, blind eye that this is not the best type of pattern. Yeah. I think that's the bane of our existence. Yeah. Like, and genuinely. Sometimes you know that it's a pattern... Like I have this all the time. Where I, I know. know it's a pattern, and then I keep doing it despite this time's gonna be different. And this time's gonna be d- different, and I make an excuse how this time is so different from and all the, the other exact same fucking times, <laughs> exactly. and I make the same fucking mistake happen again. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes you just have to hit that like moment of like, just you cannot possibly take yeah. it anymore. Like you are exhausted from hurting yeah. yourself over and over again. And it sucks to hit that point. It really fucking sucks. As like, that's when you learn rather than the first or second time. But yeah. then you never make that mistake again. That's that true. I really believe. That's true. And I was even like talking to a friend this morning about how we retain a lot of energy and emotions inside of our bodies and how the brain reacts to certain situations and the emotions that we feel is so felt physically. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if like this is everyone but I, I know for sure for me and you and like the people that we connect with we feel everything so deeply yeah. and we're extremely empathetic people we feel for the world around us and we feel for the people in our lives and I think we tend to take a lot of weight onto our shoulders mm-hmm. from everything that surrounds us and it kind of starts to impact our psyche like for example I, I remember telling you this a while ago but when I see someone in my life going through a really rough time I start going through a really rough time yeah. and I mirror those emotions yeah. and it becomes kind of weird because I I know that there is nothing wrong right now, but I am physically feeling like yeah. horrible. I completely relate and I know that you know I relate, yeah. but like like I'll, I'll leave, like I have a rough call with like some family member or whatever, nothing to do with me, but like I just know that they're struggling or with my friends mm. and my day is just fucking ruined like same as you like i just you carry with you and even though you know it's not your problem and you can't necessarily do anything to change it it just weighs so heavy on your on your spirit and on your soul but anyways just to like reflect on this whole conversation i think that setting little goals for ourselves to be kinder to ourselves and to handle our emotions in a way that serves us there's no healthy or unhealthy. There are obviously clearly healthy and unhealthy, like self-sabotage, no. Self-destruction, no. 
outward destruction also no but there are clear healthy and unhealthy but i do think that at the end of the day if you set a goal for yourself and you learn to achieve it without hurting yourself or anyone else then that is a healthy coping mechanism hmm. um you're gonna debate me on this aren't you well of course you are <laughs> why did i expect this to go smoothly no i mean it's not that i'm gonna debate you i just have i guess something to add go on. which is i think everyone's what might be healthy for one person might be unhealthy for another. Yeah. So, unfortunately, most of life is trial and error. And that means that you fall on your face a lot <sighs> and you continue to trip yourself, you know? Yeah. Like, you'll get tripped and you will trip yourself type of thing. Yeah. But I think it's really... You have to, like, fine-tune your inner instrument to figure out what works and what doesn't. And be really aware of the effect that, like, these different coping mechanisms Mm -hmm. and situations have on you. No, I agree. We're on the same page with you. Yeah. For sure. I think so. No, I completely agree (laughs) that you were going to, like, annihilate me for a second. And I was like, dear God, please. I mean, yeah, I don't know. For me, you were saying, you know, make an effort to be kinder to ourselves and to be more understanding. How would you model that? Because in theory, I think I know what that would mean for myself. Mm-hmm. But if you asked me, like right I'm here, I'm planning right on now, asking you. I'll, like, I'll give I you an example. Really, I don't. I don't really know because, <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't really know how I would answer that question. I can give you an example. Like I'll tell you a situation that made me feel some type of way that made me very, very upset. That situation led me to kind of criticize how I reacted to it. And in that way, I was like, why the hell did your brain go there? That is so stupid. This is such a minuscule, like, stupid situation. Like, don't talk down to yourself. Mm-hmm. You are allowed to feel what you feel. Yeah. No matter what, emotions are raw, complete chemical reactions to the situation that you have been placed upon. Of course, there are external factors such as trauma, your headspace, your perception. Everything is filtered through a huge system. But I do think that you should be able to feel whatever emotion that I think you should be able to feel whatever, but I don't think that, like, you shouldn't be so hard on yourself that you just tell yourself you're a piece of shit, like in that BoJack episode, (laughs) where he's just like, you're a stupid piece of shit, and that's his inner monologue. Obviously not to that extent, but you need to be really self-critical, because if you're not, then you make the same mistake over and over and over and over and over again. You know what I mean? Because you'll make the excuses each fucking time. That's true. So, to me, at least, there's a very fine line between being in a sense like you said kind to yourself mm-hmm. and being understanding of like the emotions that you go through and that you will make mistakes and that like you are doing it to yourself but that doesn't mean you should on top of tripping also be like slapping yourself in the face you know what yeah. i mean but if you just like go through life so just like self-forgiving without wanting to learn the lesson mm-hmm. then no, I get you. I'm like I, I completely agree with yeah. you. You have to also be a little bit um self-reflective. In in a healthy and edu- educational way. That you learn from your mistakes. Yeah. In you a nutshell. So. In, in a, a nutshell. nutshell. This this has been great. <sighs> Thank you for doing this with me. Thank you for having me. I, I really enjoyed this. Yeah. I hope so. I feel like we, we talked we talk about it so much and this is always like the root of our conversation. Yeah. And to like just really focus on this has been just very really educational. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I I feel like I have things I could teach you 
not just like in this episode, but it, but in general. <laughs> and I feel like I have also a lot to learn from you. Yeah. Because although we have a lot of shared experiences, we've obviously lived two completely individual lives up for until sure. now. For now, they're a little bit more intertwined. But we are not the same. We are not the same. <laughs> and honestly, I'm really excited to to continue learning from you and Me to continue too. teaching you. And just these kind of conversations are really exploring life together. You know? Yeah. I'm just two paths on a journey, <laughs> navigating through the rough waters of life. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Brain Radio FM. That was your host Sophia. That's me with my beautiful friend Dana. Thank you very much, and we'll see, see you, you soon. soon. <laughs> we'll see you soon.